welcome to episode 46 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today, we've got an intel report for you, as well as a spoiler-free review of the new spy rom-com on Apple Plus, Ghosted. But for now, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Natasha Romanoff. Ethan Hunt. Looks later. Elsa Faust. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Do you expect me to talk? I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. Yeah, baby! Special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? But remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? the British hand up, sir. This state will self-destruct in five seconds. Recording from an undisclosed location that's so undisclosed you're never gonna find it. It's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC, <clears throat> the podcast I'm gonna have to clear my throat already. <laughs> Maybe I'll keep that in. Are you all right? <clears throat> you sound a little verklempt over there. Oi. You got a little bit of uh, the... My sh- goodness. You got a little bit of the spilkes in the Genetica zoink. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> it's because it's c- it's you're so excited I'm about so what excited. we're gonna talk about today. I am. I'm so- <laughs> You're so excited. It's got you all filled with nachos. <laughs> so much nachos. <laughs> oh, but welcome back to the CIC, the spy movie podcast, bringing you 100% free, organically grown and cultivated Intel reports in January 21st of 2020. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's how we do up in the undisclosed location. Very excited to have you back here. It's been a little, it's been a hot second since you've been over. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. the uh, undisclosed location. Yeah, and I have uh, trouble finding it. <laughs> I mean, it it's, not like we, it's not like we write anything down. So, right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really going off of landmarks. Right, and, right. Uh, Doesn't show up on any GPS. So there's a map, right? But it's like the map in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I have this very intricate uh, bronze headpiece with a crystal in the center. Ah. I have to take it to a specific room at a specific time of day. Right. And, and God forbid you put it in the wrong hole. Absolutely. You could be digging in the wrong place. That's right. If your staff is too long. Well, I've always had people tell me my staff is too long. Uh, thank you. Teed you up for that one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, today we've got some uh, fresh, free intel for you, as well as our uh, spoiler-free first impressions of the Spy Meets Rom-Com movie, uh, Ghosted, <laughs> that was just released on Apple+. Plus. So that should be fun. <laughs> One would imagine. One would imagine, indeed. But first, shout-outs. We've got some shout-outs, some really silly shout-outs. But first of all, shout-out to Uganda. Uganda! <laughs> Uganda! We... Somehow charted. <laughs> pardon my, pardon me, I charted. <laughs> we charted in Uganda for film and TV uh, reviews. Climbing the charts to number 33 <laughs> in Uganda for TV and film, the irreverent duo of Ben Esslinger and Jason Greenberg, better known as Central Intelligence Cinema. Hey, they've been moving and shaking with their silly spy shit. And here's your request and dedication. <laughs> Here it comes, the spy who loved me. That's right. Wow. 
that's amazing that we have listeners who who listens to our inane bullshit uh, I, it, <laughs> in Uganda. You know, we're such a specific kind of podcast. There's a very <laughs> specific right? kind of thing. One would imagine it wouldn't translate very well across countries, nations, I, the entire world. I, hey, I will take tens of listeners wherever I well, can hey, get them. And you know what? If we're bringing the love to even that small amount of person somewhere, that's right. That's all that really matters. That's right. It's not like we're doing this to get rich. Exactly. We're doing it to make people happy because we're in, we're indeed. taking that we're taking that credit and karma people. That's right. Karma points. Also, uh, shout out to um, a uh, longtime listener out there in the field, Agent uh, Chris W., who recently gave our Brush Pass review a big thumbs up, telling us he hopes we continue with giving people our quicker reviews. So thank you, Chris. I uh, I appreciate the feedback, and uh, I can assure you that our next Brush Pass is coming very very soon. And hey, if you have thought about our podcast, whether it's an opinion on one of the movies we just reviewed, or you just want to say hi, tell us what you think of us or whatever. <laughs> Why don't you get in touch? Because that's what we live for. Ghosted opinions, anyone? I'm sure we're going to have some pretty spicy opinions on ghosted. One would hope. One would hope. Certainly indeed. from Uganda. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But our email is cicdeadrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, at Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores. Or on Twitter, at CIC SpyPod. We're also on Facebook. Just uh, search for Central Intelligence Cinema to like and follow. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, should we uh, get into the meat and potatoes of this uh, this here Intel report? We should. Yeah, well, you know, and uh, you know, this being the uh, the month that it is, it's it's less than 100 days until Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Dun, so uh, dun, dun, we, are, we are definitely on the road. Good evening, Mr. Hunt. Are you sure your line is secure? I got it. Oh, man, do I get it. Central Intelligence Cinema now has a secure line to the IMF. Benji? Join the IMF. See the world on a monitor. That was it. The line's not long enough! No shit! That doesn't sound impossible. Next time, I gotta seduce the rich guy. What are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Central Intelligence Cinema presents Road to Reckoning. You can understand you're very upset. Kittredge, you've never seen me upset. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Yes. Can I just say that Alec Baldwin <laughs> may be the only person that could deliver that line? And not make me laugh hysterically every time I hear it. <laughs> I would like to think that we are the living manifestation of destiny, Jason. <laughs> well, if, if, if destiny is silly spy shit, then absolutely. Damn Skippy. So it's been a little bit quiet. I mean, I do have quite a bit here on uh, mission news, but it has been kind of quiet. But when you, you kind of take the dustpan of, of mission intel and and push it all together, <laughs> there's, there's there's some interesting stuff going on. We may actually have to uh, have an emergency meeting at the end of this week, though. Oh, dear. Yes. Well, you see, we're probably very, very close to the second trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. First of all, this week, Tom Cruise is going to be on 
uh, James Corden. James Corden's last show is on April 27th. And I think this is the pre-recorded thing that Tom did. <laughs> there were some very funny photos on like Instagram and stuff where he was dressed up in a, I think it was like a lion outfit or something. And they did a musical thing of the Lion King. So I think that is what we're going to see on James Corden. Now, okay. On the same day, also going on, is CinemaCon. And on April 27th, that very same day, is Paramount's day at CinemaCon. Okay. And Tom Cruise is supposed to be there. So he's going to be he's gonna be recorded on James Corden yeah, yeah, yeah. and live at CinemaCon on the 27th during the Paramount... Now, can I just Paramount's ask... Paramount's day at are CinemaCon. Are we sure it's not him being at both places at the same time? Well... <laughs> Because they could just activate one of the backups, right? I, that's what I would assume. I mean, he's and then he, re- they do have that capability I with mean, him. Superman had like twelve Superman robots that's that right. he could activate at any given time. And so, Tom, in and of himself. <laughs> also, if, if the if the android thing isn't really true, he has to have the ability to actually split himself off. I mean. Tom Cruise can literally do anything. Right. All you have to do is teach him. <laughs> That's right. I spent six months doing this. <laughs> I'm really good at it now. <laughs> exactly. The problem is, the problem is every time I split myself, I get so short that if I get to like 12 or 13 copies, <laughs> I go microscopic. So we may very well be uh, getting ourselves a, a brand new Mission Impossible uh, trailer by the end of this week. <laughs> Which will be completely different than all of the other ones because they've reshot all of the footage 85 times, right? Well, I don't know if they've reshot, but or man, it's, it sure sounds like, you know, I've I've gotten here, you know, Christopher McQuarrie was pretty active on Twitter right up, now I will mention, right up until Elon had the brilliant idea of getting rid of the blue checks, not the paid ones, the uh, legacy blue checks or whatever on Twitter. He got right. rid of those. Right. And half of, half of like, Hollywood celebrity type people, they all just said F off and die. We're, we're done now on Twitter. Right. Because now people are just going to be imitating us left and right or whatever. And Christopher McQuarrie, as soon as he lost his blue check, he deleted all of his tweets. Really? Yes. So that's so, that. Which makes me very happy that I wrote all my notes yes. based off those <laughs> tweets before he deleted them all. Oh my goodness. So I actually have something to tell our tens of listeners here. Because he's been doing a lot of like AMA stuff where people are just asking him questions about movies, like whether it's his opinion on... Some of it doesn't even have anything to do with Mission Impossible. It's just like a lot of aspiring filmmakers are like talking to him and that sort of thing. But one of the things that he mentioned is that the runtime of part one changes daily, which means they are still editing that sucker. They're going to be editing that sucker right up until like, (laughs) you ever ever see uh, America's Sweethearts? Yes. When they literally have to fly the film canisters into that, Film yeah. festival, and then <laughs> I you know, feel like that's what's happening. This here. is the f- what's so funny about this is that you know in the in the age of digital, mm-hmm. you can futz with it, yeah, right up until your release because you're just sending out digital files once it's done, right? Right. George Lucas famously was editing Star Wars up until about three weeks before it released in theaters, which is even more right. insane given the the Give, time the right. time frame that was all on film, so all the copies had to be printed. And sent out to the theaters within three weeks of finishing the edit. And he wasn't doing it because he wasn't happy with things because it's George Lucas. He wasn't happy with any of it. <laughs> he was just doing it because they had to go back and reshoot a lot of scenes that they ended up doing in L.A. instead of on location and a bunch mm-hmm. of other things to, to get to that final product. But just thinking about how stressful that must have been for him oh having to deal with film. Yeah, 
Well, and all the, I mean, we're talking about mechanical editing here. Right. Like physical. Cut a piece of film into another piece of film. Tape it together. And then do it again at the other end. Oh, God. And you know, that's one of the reasons he pushed for digital stuff so much was because he wanted the ability to continually edit till he was happy. (laughs) Of course it was, it was self. (laughs) Everything George Lucas did for the past 40 years after Star Wars was because he wasn't happy with what he had available to him. Right. Right. So people like Chris McQuarrie and, and Tom Cruise are like, well, maybe we could make this scene a little longer or use this angle or do this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. They owe George a huge debt of gratitude for having billions of dollars and forcing Hollywood to do what he wanted. Right. Well, I mean, and the same, because, I mean, Cameron is kind of the same type of guy. He's like, well, you know, I'm not going to put this movie out until we have the technology to make it. And then yep. Avatar comes out. and Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. then Avatar 2 didn't come out for years and years and years because, once again, he wasn't happy with the technology. Yep. So he just he would rather let them work and work and work on the technology until he was happy with how he could make something. When you have millions of dollars with a very low number of films, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah. You don't have to be like Ridley Scott who just turns out awesome stuff no matter how many movies he makes in a year. Yeah. Because he's Ridley Scott. Because he's Ridley friggin' Scott. So maybe so. that's just something about directors. I don't know. But anyway, we're getting off topic. <laughs> we, we My are apologies. To- My apologies. I derailed that train. <laughs> well, also in his little AMA on Twitter, uh, McQuarrie mentioned that he said, Eddie and I hope to do an editorial feature on the home video extras for Dead Reckoning, though it will likely have to wait for part two. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Eddie Hamilton is who he's referring to, the editor of all of these Mission Impossible movies. So that I would be stoked to see as an editor myself. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, also asked when, if anything in the trailer from part one has moved to part two, he stated one shot has moved from one to two. Whether it survives in two is anybody's guess. And this, for me, has got to be one of two shots. It's either the guy in the deep sea scuba outfit or it's the submarine. But my guess is it's the guy in the deep sea outfit because it's singular. All of the other shots in that trailer yeah. have two connective shots to it. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So, you know, there's more than one shot of the little yellow car. There's more than one shot of the nightclub that they're in. There's more than one shot of the desert. Right. So my my money's on, on the scuba thing. That's fair. So... Also um, active on both Twitter and uh, Instagram is Lauren Balf, who has posted numerous pictures um, as recording is now underway for the score, which tells me that he must have composed it and probably like put it together with like MIDI instruments or something so that the edit room had something to use. Because if they're if they're if it's this late and they haven't recorded. The right. score, like, are they going to have to go back and recut the whole thing to match what the orchestra did? Or is it, I got to think, I again, I got to think it was one of those things where he wrote it and did it with like digital instruments so they could get it into the edit for timing. Mm-hmm. And now they're going back to actually record it with the with the orchestra. Right. But so. if they're still making changes, how is that possible? Well, I mean, you can, you, you can... I mean, there's scenes that don't have music in them. Well, and you can, but you can, you know, I'm an editor. I, yeah. I will tell you, you can, you can edit music and fidget with it so that it sounds like it's all going together. Uh, Although it's harder with, it's harder with orchestral, but. Which I get, but I mean, all I've ever seen traditionally 
when yeah. I've seen things is they get the finish cut and then they play it around the runtime. Mm-hmm. So like John Williams has written the entire score. Mm-hmm. He just tempos things and everything to make it match up with where it needs to be, which has got to be significantly harder for a John Williams movie where there's music for 90% of the film. Yeah. As opposed to maybe, I mean, there's probably what 60% of the film's going to have music in a mission impossible film. Yeah. Because it's all going to accentuate whatever is happening. Right. So you'll get those really slow. Right. People are talking. Right. Then you're going to get the bump, 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 when things are motorcycling, parachute, flying <laughs> submarine things. So, you know, and I'd always wondered, this is completely off topic again, but I've always kind of wondered how composers, it must be much harder to compose something that's not a complete story. Just yeah. to do cues and, and certain things in there. Moods. Yeah. Where you're, you're really more literally music for the film to help heighten the emotion rather than helping to tell the story. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to be tricky. I mean, I'm sure from a standpoint of, okay, well, I need something action-y here. Do, 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 do. Well, and that's when you get into, you know, the whole collective with Hans Zimmer and Lauren Balfe. Right. That whole music collective where, you know, they've just got a library of like, Canned right tension Do you moments. Remember we or, wrote this one for uh, for it's a stella, but we didn't go into go into the tension library. Yeah, uh, tension tracks <laughs> for science fiction part three. Right, and pull right. this, uh, pull a couple tracks out of there and see what sticks. See what you think. Oh, I like I like that one. It's like they've got their own free sourcing uh, music yeah. library out yeah. there to just pull shit. From like they've made their it. own stock music library. Exactly, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, one other thing about Mission Impossible, as far as Intel goes, is uh, there was an interesting little interview in The Guardian with uh, Nicholas Holt that was published on April 14th, where he kind of revealed a little bit more about the scheduling conflicts that prevented him from starring in the Dead Reckoning films. And this is very interesting that uh, somehow this passed me up because, you know, we've been tracking this movie since almost the beginning of our podcast. This is true. I went back, I was listening to, I don't know if it was, uh, I want to say it's the Skyfall, our, our second episode of the CIC. I'm pretty sure in the Intel report in that episode, we talked about this friggin' movie. Seems so, plausible. So somehow, it's been a constant contagion. <laughs> somehow this passed me by, but I had no idea that Nicholas Holt was cast as the main villain in Mission Impossible 7, now hmm. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Right. So... And at the time, Christopher McQuarrie teased Holt joining the franchise by writing on Instagram, care to raise a little hell, to which Holt responded, though, why stop at a little? So, but what happened was, unfortunately, Holt was locked into his contract with Hulu for season three of The Great, which is actually coming out in like May, I think. Right. The, the season three of that, which is a good show. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's a good show. It's it's a good show. Me and my wife both love that show, but I'm trying, I'm kind of weighing like, if I could see Nicholas Holt in a in a Mission Impossible movie versus as a bad guy, as a bad guy, that's no the less. thing. I mean, he was sort of bad in in Fury Road, but he wasn't. He ended up being yeah. the, the, the redemptive character, exactly. In, in, but to see him play straight up bad guy would be really fun. I really would like to see that because I don't think he's ever played that. He's always just sort of he's the affable, you know, affable goofy. bloke, yeah. right? I mean, he, he kind of got a little mean when he turned blue in the X-Men films, but <laughs> still a good guy. Still a good guy, yeah. Also in the uh, article, he was quoted as saying, I screen tested for Batman and didn't get it. Screen tested for Top Gun, didn't get it. Then I got the call from Tom Cruise. Hey, how about Mission Impossible? Okay, got it. 
Then I had to drop out because I was already tasked to do some more of the great. It really feels like it's like this echo of of Pierce Brosnan right here. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's following that road, and I'm just I'm just saying, Barbara Broccoli. I'm just saying. He's 33 years old. He's the right age. He fits. He he looks pretty darn good in a tux. Uh, he seems yeah, pretty a, physically capable. If you saw Renfield, he can he yeah, can yeah. do fight scenes. Probably needs to bulk up a little. A little, little bit of bulking up. But I mean, you put him on the Marvel program, he'll be fine. Hey, I'm just saying this guy could be Bond for 20 years. He really could be Bond yeah, for 20 yeah, he's years. He's definitely got the range to play. So. He got the, he has the smarmy to play a smarmy Bond if you want to go 90s style. Oh, absolutely. Right? If you've seen The Great... Absolutely. The, the the role that he plays in that. His range, he could literally play every version of James Bond. He really could. Except for maybe Daniel Craig. I don't I I can't see him getting that dark, and yet it's only because I've never seen him go that dark. I just I, I don't think that would that's I don't think that's the bond his, they're shooting for. Anyway. Yeah. I really believe that the next bond is gonna be more Pierce-ish. Yeah. I, I think that's where they're they're headed to. They're they they're looking for a more fun, happy, good times. Shooting with pow, pow, bang, bang, explosives. I could see that. Whee! Quippy. A little more quippy. A little quippy. Maybe a little more sexy again. A little sassy. That's what but I But not like. like, you know, Roger sexy. Not Roger sexy, no. More Pierce sexy. Pierce sexy. Yes. Mm. Where Money Penny is constantly jabbing at him of all his escapades and <laughs> making fun of him. Speaking of Bond, Speaking we have Bond. a very small amount of Bond news. Uh, the first issue of the latest comic book series from Dynamite is now out. James Bond for King Country was just released. That was pretty good. I actually found one one copy at my local comic book store. Barely barely found it. I still want to get the alternate. I feel like the alternate covers are a little better for this one, but uh, I'm expecting that we'll probably go over that series a little, little down the road once, once, once it's completed. Yeah, exactly. One other little thing I just did want to bring up um, as we are pretty good friends with uh, the, uh, the folks over at James Bond and Friends and their associated website, uh, mi6hq.com. Uh, their latest physical copy, their their physical publication that they have called uh, MI6 Confidential, their new year or season of that magazine is now out. The first issue is out. And um, there is a really, really interesting article in there about during the time when, right during the Moonraker era, there's a story in this latest MI6 Confidential about how Cubby planned back-to-back Bond movies. And one the, the movie that never got made, then at least, was called Quantum of Solace. What? I shit you not. Mm. I shit you not. These are, I mean, those those folks over at MI6 Confidential, they know their shit. So was the first, this is a legit was the first story. of the back-to-back Casino Royale? It was. It was not, but it should have been. <laughs> um, obviously, it never got made. Instead of just, instead, we just got for your eyes only. Right. So, but it's a really this whole issue. I'm just sort of giving it my. I'm vouching for this first issue of MI6 Confidential because it's fantastic. There's another story in the same issue that talks about the guy that they hired who signed on the dotted line to be Bond for Diamonds Are Forever, and then the studio was like, "Uh-uh, f you guys. We're gonna pay a." world record sum to get Connery back. Hell yeah. And then they ended up just having to pay that other guy money and sent him on his happy way with all mm, his money. Who could it be? Read the magazine and see. That's right. So, kind of cool. Anyway, yes. 
It's it's a slim month for Bond stuff right now. I Seems mean, like mm. there's been a lot of slim Bond stuff since the the MGM purchase. I mean, after that was done, it just sort of went radio silent. I mean, Amazon's just kind of... There was one article I probably should have mentioned in here about how there's a lot of movement of personnel right now at Amazon Studios. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's happy with the uh, changes, i.e. Barbara Broccoli. Mm. And so I think that's part of the reason why there's this radio silence where we have no idea what's going on with Bond. It's all very frustrating. All I know is up in his office, Bezos is sitting around in a chair stroking a cat. (laughs) Counting his money. Counting his money. I can't wait until we're able to do something interesting. (laughs) Going to the moon is wonderful, but only if we have Mr. Bond on here. I mean, maybe we'll get the uh, Road to Millions, the 007 Road to Millions show at the end of the summer here that that yeah. uh, amazing race the bond edition so maybe we'll at least get that bond fans are so it's a rough time for us bond fans right now anyway moving right along so in other news following a uh, intense multi-studio bidding war that went into the this past weekend uh, which was April 15th through the 16th uh, Warner Brothers has landed the package mod v mod that has Angelina Jolie and Halle Berry attached to star hmm. Roseanne Liang who did Shadow in the Cloud I am not super familiar with her work is on board to direct and wait for it Scott Mosier's script Scott Mosier of Clerks right. and Jay and Silent Bob fame yep. sold his script for this movie. That he has he wrote this. And it's essentially described as a Bond versus Born type of global action thriller with locations to be announced. I wish they put more detail and told us what the names of the main characters were gonna be. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm. 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 I was thinking this would be like <laughs> B. Arthur. And versus B. Arthur? <laughs> Mod versus B. Arthur? Ask your grandparents, kids. <laughs> but uh, that should be interesting. Now, not to uh, throw sauce on this before, before you know. Anything? Anything. But I kind of wonder about the power struggle. Now, both of these ladies are set to uh, be, I believe they're both going to get producer credits on this movie. And you're talking about two very strong-willed people mm-hmm. in Angelina Jolie and Halle Berry. Sure. So that will be an interesting collaboration to see how it goes moving forward. I'm just since we're in the infancy of this of this brainchild. Right. Does the world really need another competing pretty people spy movie that come together for a common goal at the end and probably end up friends? Listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, if Angelina Jolie and Halle Berry want to make a movie together and they're spies and they're both hot. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not gonna go see it. I'm just wondering. I will watch anything that Halle Berry's in. <laughs> If Scott Moser's writing it, there may be the right level of humor that I appreciate exactly. to make it worthwhile. Exactly. We're going to get some little, little irreverence. I remain, I won't even say cautiously optimistic. I'll just say optimistic and leave. No, maybe I just cautious. <laughs> <laughs> so also we uh, uncovered that uh, HBO Max are now stupidly just Max. Yeah, let's get rid of... You know what they're going to eventually change is just to Zorn. <laughs> get Christopher Walken to pitch it. Yeah. Welcome to Zorn. To Zorn. What movie would you like to watch? 
it just I it's it just blows my mind. Let's get rid of the home box office name that is basically synonymous with like I don't know quality, right? And go with Cinemax, which is suspiciously <laughs> known for softcore porn, right? Right. <laughs> and now we'll just Max anyway. Okay. But anyway, I'm I'm dawdling here. All right. So they have released the teaser trailer for its upcoming limited series called The Sympathizer, which is based on uh, Vietan uh, Nguyen's, uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Pulitzer Prize winning novel of the same name. The show is described in the official logline as an espionage thriller and cross-culture satire about the struggles of a half-French, half-Vietnamese communist spy during the final days of the Vietnam War and his resulting exile in the United States. So, Hoa Zwand, I hope I pronounced that correctly, who was in Cowboy Bebop and another show called Hungry Ghosts, uh, he plays the main spy. But kind of stealing the show in this trailer is Robert Downey Jr., uh, who is known on IMDb in this movie as The Captain. Uh, that's all it says. But he plays several different characters in the trailer and in the movie. He's just bad wigs. And, I, it's, and it is uh, it is total Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor from the seventy eight Superman. <laughs> he's just he's all over the place, and it's it, it looks really interesting. It's I highly recommend go check out the trailer because this thing is going to be something to watch in twenty twenty four when it finally does. Definitely, arrive. definitely coming to an Intel report near you. So. uh in the category of uh, Ben's really just reporting on this to rail on it. Um, <laughs> Sylvester Sylvester. Yo. Yo. So Sylvester Stallone is set to star and produce an action comedy called Never Too Old to Die through Amazon Studios. Amazon Studios is paying a lot of money for some interesting choices lately. Um, <laughs> anyway, the story being a mysterious murder within a retirement home. For spies, sparks a Cold War hero's personal mission to find the assassin living among them. So, kind of a spin on Red-ish? It definitely feels like it's got some Red elements in it. Yeah. I And it feels you, you like know, a little bit of FUBAR there, too, right? A little bit, but I, I, I don't know. I just... <clears throat> Uh, we'll see we'll see how the trailer looks and i'll um but right now i am like you are about uh mod v mod i am cautious (laughs) maybe maybe pessimistically cautious you know it's like it's like he saw the Fubar trailer. He's like, hey, no, Donnie's gonna be doing TV. I, uh, I, I, I can do, do TV. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm doing that Tulsa King show. Everybody loves that. I come in and play a spy. Artie's playing a spy. You know? I mean, it's not like you can't do it. I can do it. Everyone does it. Exactly. But uh, speaking of Fubar, we got the new trailer for it. The uh, action comedy show coming to Netflix with uh, Artie, where he is a uh, retiring spy for the CIA who gets pulled back to do one last rescue mission. Only he doesn't realize that he's rescuing his daughter, who he didn't know was also an agent for the CIA. And the trailer looks awesome. Oh, this uh, this, this I think is going to be pretty fantastic. I am I am actually very excited for this, especially with Fortune Feimster. Mm-hmm. To crack wise every other... I mean, there's no less than like five wisecracks by her <laughs> in the trailer alone. So I'm I'm excited to see this one. I think I think that one's uh, 
definitely something you will see in a future episode of uh, CIC as well. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Yep. We have more Argyle intel, ladies and gentlemen. Could we have less? <laughs> I think we're, honestly, I think we're going to have less very soon. Oh, dear. Especially based on this. There was an article on April 3rd from a publication called Small Screen. Small Screen pulled it from a episode of a podcast called The Hot Mic with Jeff Snyder and John Roca. Snyder, who is a legit movie reporter you know, entertainment reporter for a newsletter called The Ankler. Apparently, Apple is reportedly uneasy about the film because of some weird choices they made. Snyder was quoted as saying, what I've heard about Argyle is that there are some funky choices in Argyle that Apple is uneasy about, and they're not quite sure how to market it. They're worried that it might be a bit too smart for its own good, which intrigues me as a movie fan, like maybe Matthew Vaughn has really delivered something a bit different and outside the box here. Apple has a great marketing team, so if they don't know how to market it, like there must be something really weird with it. Which I say, bring that shit on. I mean, I'll watch it. I'm I'm definitely going to watch it whenever it makes its way. I am curious and slightly concerned for for Mr. Vaughn as to whether this thing sees the light of day. I, although I, I have to say, it, this, this is one of those movies that's like, <laughs> too big to fail almost given the budget of the movie given the huge list of stars that are yes. attached to this movie i gotta think that at some point it will be released whether it's simply through streaming although i know there was another article adjacent to this one that said that they wanted to put this in theaters right so, but i mean they also put ghosted in theaters for a couple of weeks before it came out on oh, Apple. did they really yeah Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's always been part of their launch strategy. Maybe they're just confused as to whether they think they can make any money putting it in a theater. Right. You know what? Release it then. Yeah. It's just, it, this is such a strange, this whole Argyle story is just so bizarre to me. The fact that we don't know who the author of the book is. The book seems to have been pushed off as well. There's been no fanfare over the book either. Whether or not the the alley, I forget what her name is, the the name attached as the so-called author or whether it's just a Matthew Vaughn joint. Right. It's hard. I mean, it's this, this is all just so strange to me. Yeah. And I don't know if it's one of those things where Matthew Vaughn is so concerned with keeping this, th keeping a lid on this thing that he doesn't want anybody to know anything about it. And maybe that's part of this, but given this little blurb about the funky choices made, maybe there are some genuine things going on with this movie that are could really be. friggin' weird. I mean, we've all seen the hair, so we know well, at least one of those funky choices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's possible this could be Apple's first Catwoman. Or bat, <laughs> I'm sorry, Batgirl. My apologies. Um, where the, but, I mean, it's not like Apple's hurting for money like Warner's was, and they were trying to yeah. cut. I mean, they've got money that they could afford to release some garbage. I mean, you've all watched Apple Plus. We know there's plenty of garbage <laughs> on there. But it's all niche right? You know? Right. You know, it may not be your bread and butter, but, uh, but this, this thing over big. here is, right? Yeah. And I feel like you, you're, you're talking about Henry Cavill. You're talking about Matthew Vaughn. Both of them can produce and give things. Now, will you get a lot of people that may watch this movie and go, what the fuck did I just watch? Absolutely. Possibly. Yeah, quite but possibly. But people are going to watch it. Yeah. And if it's that weird and confusing, it's going to get a bunch of negative buzz. And guess what? That's going to make That's more people, people go and watch, watch it. it. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you see something pop up in your feed uh, when you're when you're on the computer telling you about, you know, 
this uh, low-budget failure that didn't do well in the movies is number one streaming on Netflix. You know, it's yeah. like streaming services are where garbage shit goes to die <laughs> and find its niche. Well, I mean, and I'm going to be real. The early impressions of Ghosted that we're about to, you know, get into here in a second were terrible. Were bad, bad, bad. And that was half the reason why I decided to go and watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? Only time will tell. Uh, finally, uh, just one little tidbit. Uh, it just came out just literally like yesterday that the Russo brothers are currently at work writing the second Gray Man movie, which surprised me, quite honestly. I mean, I know that the first one did well. Mm-hmm. For for especially on Netflix as far as streaming numbers, oh, yeah. I don't know how they did in the theater really, but streaming wise, the Gray Man did very well. But the thing is, is that there is not a great buzz around the first Gray Man movie. A lot of people thought it was extremely mediocre, myself kind of included in that. And I'm just, it's just surprising that they just keep giving money to the Russo brothers. Like they just keep just make some more stuff. You made the biggest movie. You made the biggest Marvel movies in history. We want that, and we're gonna double down and mm-hmm. keep giving you money until you make one of those again. Well, and you know they were locked in on this whole Citadel thing. They've been in there for so long, and it's a big global plan. And, hey, and speaking of, uh, you know, earlier I referenced that we were talking about Mission Impossible since the beginning of the CIC. Right, Citadel was mentioned in our very first. <laughs> Very first Intel report, the Atomic Blonde episode of the CIC, <laughs> we talked about Citadel. And you know, here we are, finally. You know, to listeners, <laughs> I'm going to have to say the next time Ben tells me that he's really busy and can't do anything, I'm going to be like, oh, but you can go back and listen to every damn podcast we've done since 2020. Hmm. Not all of them. <laughs> it's just every once in a while I get nostalgic. <laughs> Think about those pre-pandemic episodes we sure, put out sure, just sure. before everything went to shit. Yeah, yeah. Go in there and go, oh, yeah, this. Oh, wow. Is that what I sound like? God, I was so optimistic back then. Look at me. I've gotten so much funnier since those first episodes. How is it even possible? I just think I've gotten more curmudgeonly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but uh, that's about all for uh, Intel for now. So uh, what do you say? Shall we get into our spoiler-free review of Ghosted? Yeah, let's do it. Her name is Sadie. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I think she might be the one. Any word? She ghosted him. I bet she hasn't even seen your text. She does travel a lot for work. Go to her. I'm going to London. Where am I? Oh, God. You, you have the wrong guy? I'm a former. Wait, wait. Can you walk, Gold? Sadie. Who are you? CIA. You got me kidnapped and tortured all after one day. Do you trust me? Is that a joke? So, uh, Ghosted, directed by Dexter Fletcher of Rocketman fame, the uh, bio flick with... uh, uh, Taron Edgerton. Yeah, Taron Edgerton as as Elton John. He directed that as well. Um, Written by Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Chris McKenna. 
Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick appear to be kind of like writing partners. They did both uh, Deadpool 1 and 2, as well as both Zombieland movies and Spiderhead. And then Chris McKenna was a writer on Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way Home, as well as Ant-Man and the Wasp, and he did some writing on Community. So a really strong writing team, which is interesting given this movie. (laughs) Also a fun fact, uh, Chris Evans has full producer credit on this movie. Not just exec producing, producer credit on this movie. Oh, yeah. He was, I think he was definitely. This might be his Yeah, I think he was definitely swinging um, Chris Hemworth's hammer a lot more often (laughs) in this movie than uh, maybe he would have been in any other circumstance. Yeah. And then Anna Diarmas also has uh, an exec producer credit on this as well. So kind of interesting that they have that much control over this this little uh, little movie we got here. Well, I do think it shows because. as we get into this, we're going to see Chris Evans is definitely playing against type. Yeah, very much so. And, and convincingly, I'll point out, anybody who thinks that he's just a pretty boy actor, he's not Chris Pine. Um, <laughs> so, but he literally, I think, made these choices to do this just film so just could, so he could be something he's not been right. for a long time in yeah, a movie. Yeah, like he doesn't have to be a total badass in nope. every single movie. He doesn't have to be the hero, hero. He can just be... They can be heroic, but just be a normal guy. Right. Like a little more hapless, which yeah. it works sometimes. And then at other times, I'm like, come on. This is like the best looking man in, a, in the universe. And, you know, they're treating him like an everyman. It you worked know? for Harrison Ford for decades. That's well, okay. Fair enough. Not that I'm saying that Chris <laughs> Evans is Harrison Ford. Right. I'm just saying, I mean, Harrison Ford could play that guy all day long, right? Right. He basically did. That's all Han Solo and, Her- and Indiana Jones are, are the guy, fish out of water guy. Right. Who's reacting to everything rather than actively driving the narrative. Right. So I would love to see Chris Evans continue to do this because we all know he can be tough guy, Captain America, whatever he needs to be. I found him far more likable in this than in The Gray Man. Actually. Oh, absolutely. That like, character Gray Man was great for him, too. He was the bad guy, which he never plays. Right. And he got to be so over-the-top ridiculous about yes. it. And it, again, best performance in the film. And he, yeah, was, and he was starring side-by-side side with Ryan Gosling. Right. And he, he was able to be that campy, fun villain. Exactly. Knives Out, another good example of where his range is at. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, so he's there, and I'm glad if he was responsible for pushing that image it makes me very glad that he's thinking about where he could be as an actor in 10 yeah. years. Cause at some point in time, unless you're Tom Cruise, the looks you, fade. you can't, keep, well, not even the looks, the body just can't keep up with the physical demands yeah. of being that kind of an actor. True. Unless you're Tom Cruise. Unless, unless you're Tom Cruise, you can just, you know, get a new body made for yourself. And yeah. Transfer the data from one unit to the next. <laughs> exactly. We already talked about that at the beginning of the show. We didn't need to cover that again, Ben. <laughs> All right. So, uh, photography, uh, cinematography was by Salvatore Tatino, who did Everest and Spider-Man Homecoming. It feels, for me at least, a bit too glossy, but honestly, this is more of an Apple Plus thing for me. Yeah. I feel like everything on Apple Plus feels way too over-post-produced. Everything feels too polished, polished to a point that it no longer feels... It basically feels like AI, like all those AI pictures that Mm -hmm. that have circulated recently without Mm -hmm. the actual AI. Right. It's all very... You know, for the first 30 minutes of this movie, I felt like I was watching a car commercial. The way that it's... uh, Yes. The way that it's color graded, the way it's shot, 
the way it's like so perfectly lit, everything feels it, there's no humanity in right. it. <laughs> which is because they shot it like a rom-com, which we all know has nothing to do with humanity whatsoever. <laughs> so I think it's very fitting. Uh, but I think from a technical standpoint, and I am pulling this right out of my ass right now, so if it smells bad to all of our tens of listeners, that's why. I think Apple produces its stuff at 4K quality across the board mm-hmm. so they can be viewed on 4K TVs and whatnot. Right. So I think you're getting that hyper uh, realistic. Yeah. 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 Um, It's like when you go and watch something at 240 frames on an OLED TV. And you've watched Star Wars your entire life. And you've even watched this version of Star Wars six times. But you watch it on there and it's like, what am I watching? What happened? It's kind of like watching motion smoothing without motion smoothing. Oh, it's just, I'm so used to the, like... A little bit more grittiness of film, right. of actual physical film, that everything on Apple feels this way to me. It all just feels too glossy. I just want I want a little bit more grit, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, aside from that, I mean, you know, as far as I don't have any problems with the way they shot, especially the later stuff. Right. I feel like the further you get into this movie, the more I'm okay with the cinematography. It's just that first, it really the whole movie, everything about the first 30 minutes is the hardest thing to get yeah, through. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I got to say, there are some very obvious CGI things going on oh, yeah. throughout the film, particularly oh, yeah. in the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. pretty sure they weren't actually in Washington, D.C. A lot of sky replacements. But there's a lot of like, oh, here's the Washington Monument that's probably not viewable from this location in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. You know, or when the, in the mountains, those mountains clearly were not where they were at. Yeah. Um, I, I will say one, I'm 100% certain that that cave is the cave that Iron Man came out of in Iron Man. <laughs> um, but I, I, I can't prove that. Um, but I think the clarity that you're talking about made that stuff much more obvious than it would have been if yeah. they just kind of took it down a notch. Well, what's funny is, is that CG and, and green screen and all that has gotten to a level now where it's much harder to see some of those things. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when things are so perfect mm-hmm. that you you're, something goes off in your brain and even though you don't see anything, it's not like something slides because the motion tracking's off. No. It's all perfect, but it's too perfect. It's, and, and, it's, and your it's brain, obvious. Yeah. So like when you see, there's there's a couple of scenes in the movie where there's mountains that you can tell were not supposed to be there. Right. But the cinematographer wanted that mountain in that scene. Right. And, all the, and to their credit... The lighting is all correct. Yeah, everything looks, seems to jive. It doesn't. It looks fake because you get the feeling it was put there on purpose. It's not that it, yeah. it looks bad. It's purposeful, right? And <laughs> I can tell that. Well, I like to think I can. I'm sure I've been fooled before, but incidental cinematography yes. is far more easy to swallow than purposeful cinematography. Yes. And when I say that, I don't mean that cinematographers. Before CGI were going on and going, eh, this will be fine. They were all going and scouting locations and camera angles, but they were limited by what they could do with the camera that was sitting in their laps or whatever right there. Whereas now- If the weather changes. Exactly. If if, if, if anything changes in the environment. If you want clouds in a shot and there's no clouds, you shot that without clouds, you came back the next day, right? Right. So there is that on the ground level- that in other words, if I'm watching this exact same scene and that mountain was real, I would know it was a real mountain, right? Because well, of the intent. It's sort of that whole. Uh, have you ever heard of the term wabi sabi? Uh. Uh-uh. Wabi sabi means means perfectly imperfect. Okay. And that's what's missing is that imperfection, yes. that perfectly imperfect, because everything is actually perfect, perfect. Right. 
And so it, you, your brain picks up on it and goes, well, nothing is perfect. Right. So this, th- there's something going on here. I'm being deceived. <laughs> That's fair. It's like when I see Haley Atwell in a movie, <laughs> right? And I'm like, she can't possibly be real. She can't possibly be real. She's too beautiful. She's too perfect. <laughs> I understand, Ben. You're absolutely right. All right. We should move on from photography here. Yes. Uh, music, Lauren Balf. They got Lauren Balf to do this. Honestly, I kind of feel like his efforts were wasted here. His his talents were wasted here because yeah. this, this is not a movie that needs a brilliant score. No, honestly, you could have run this whole thing on a synthesizer and electric drums, and it would have fit right in. I mean, with the vibe. I bet I could have gone through a a catalog of stock music and cut this cut the music in myself. <laughs> But, and it would but have not, been fine. Not the same stock music that Lauren Balf has access Probably to. Probably not, because I don't have that kind of budget. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, looking at the main characters, obviously we've got uh, Cole Turner, who is played by Chris Evans as the hapless but lovable lovable uh, guy who runs a apparently runs a, a shop that he's willing to uh, just abandon. Sort of abandon in the first scene of the movie. But, you know, of course... On a Diarmas, so... <laughs> right. He literally leaves the cash box. <laughs> like, at his at his little plant stand. Yeah, he the, sell, he's, he's basically, like, not a botanist, but he sells plants at this silly little well, stand no, he's, or whatever. He, so he sells produce from his farm. Oh, that's what it is. He sells yes. produce. I was yes. so hung up with... Yeah, okay. yeah the, the, with the other things that happened. Yes. But there is a line in there where he tells his dad, thank you for closing up the... The, the oh, shop. they did button yes, that up. Yes, I so, didn't catch that. So they brought it together. Oh, they brought okay. it together. <laughs> so, and then we've, of course, we've got the main spy of the movie, who is Sadie Rhodes, played by Anna Diarmas. Other major characters we've got is uh, Levick, played by Adrian Brody, who. Honestly, I will watch that guy in anything. No doubt, no like, doubt. And any he, he's spectacular. I mean, given the limited scope of what he, he was given, he played a spy movie villain, and he did it with his usual elan and flair. Yes, lots of panache. And then we've got uh, Wagner, who's sort of Levesque's right hand man, uh, played by Mike Moe. Then we've got some interesting casting of Cole's family. I don't know. I thought it was kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, it's you. great. Yeah, uh, Tate Donovan plays his dad, and Amy. Sa- Doris plays his mom. My favorite. Yes. That's my favorite part of the casting. Yes. And there are a whole slew of cameos in this movie that I am not going to tell our tens of listeners because that would be spoiling the fun. Oh, absolutely. Because the, some of the cameos are half of the best things in this movie. Correct. Correct. There, there's a cameo in the 11th hour of this movie that just had me busted over. Just, it was the best. It was almost the best part of the movie. He, <laughs> he almost stole the show. He almost stole the show. Uh, just real quick for those who don't know yet. Uh, the synopsis, according to things, uh, is um, salt of the earth coal falls head over heels for enigmatic Sadie, but then makes the shocking discovery that she's a secret agent. Uh, before they can decide on a second date, Cole and Sadie are swept away on an international adventure to save the world. Hmm. Which is kind of a thin synopsis, because I... what needs to also sort of be told which i mean if you've seen the trailer i'm not spoiling anything essentially he's not good with relationships because he wants to jump way too far into them right away and so he goes on this fantastic first date with anna diarmas <laughs> it'd be pretty hard to have a bad date with anna diarmas one, one would imagine and 
literally within the next day, he's sending her like umpteen different text messages and won't leave her alone. And it's not been that long ago that I was single and you you just don't do that. You just don't call the girl like 15 times after your first date if you want your relationship with them to continue, which is what he does in this movie. And then she goes off on a mission and he thinks that he's been ghosted, which is actually what she did do anyway. <laughs> well, he refuses to believe that she refu- did right. do that, but yes. So then he thinks that it will be this grand romantic gesture to go to London. And then hilarity ensues. And then hilarity ensues. And that's about all I can tell you about plot points of this movie. But uh, what were your general thoughts on this movie? Well, it was everything I expected it to be. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I, I genuinely enjoyed it, but I mean, I go into every movie with, you know, uh, you, you take in what with you, what you go into it and that's what you get out of it. So right. it was, I didn't expect anything amazing. I'd never seen before or anything like that. I just figured it was going to be a fun romp with two pretty people shooting a lot of guns. And what I got was a fun romp with two pretty people shooting a lot of guns. Um, <laughs> And, you know, obviously, you know, as we discussed, uh, some of the CGI things kind of took me a little bit out of it here and there, but not as much as Gray Man did, not as much as a lot of movies that I've watched did. And I think once you get fully invested into the film, its pacing is so good, it just keeps you going. Those Mm -hmm. aforementioned cameos that you brought up. Yes. uh, Pepper it in just the right places to keep you engaged. But there's a lot of tongue in cheek. I think, and I think this, the CGI thing that you mentioned about how it's, it's much harder to swallow in Gray Man has a lot to do with the fact that this movie doesn't take itself seriously. At all. At all. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of homage floating around in there. Holy cow, so much homage. So if you're a if you're a film student of any kind, you're gonna see some things in there that you may or may not have seen before. Yeah. Um definitely. But not in a bad way. Um uh, that sure. Red Room movie oh. did it so much more on the nose with some of their references. Or Red Notice, Red Notice. Oh, yes, yes. Like that was very- Way on the nose. Way on the nose versus what Ghosted does. Ghosted does make some references, and if you are a fan of a certain hero, and that's all <laughs> I will say, try and keep it vague for people who haven't seen the movie yet. There's uh, definitely some stuff there for you. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. It's less on the nose. It's not like super obvious- but if you've seen those movies, right. you know exactly what they're doing. They're they're borrowing liberally from stuff that, that they loved as as movie watchers and bringing it into their own movie. But I liked it. I will say, and I'll give it the highest the highest compliment I could say is I would probably watch it again. Wow! Like if we ever do a full review on this particular movie, I would have zero problems watching it two or one or two times to watch it again. Boy, because <laughs> now it doesn't mean I want to watch it every day like Star Wars or something like that. Sure. But like, uh, used to, like True Lies used to be before we reviewed it here, and I swore <laughs> to never, ever watch it again. Um, I could watch this 10 to 12 more times before I think I reached that level. Well, I could go back and watch True Lies at this point. Uh, never again. <laughs> really? No. Wow. No. I'm, I, I just soon watched that crappy TV show before I watched the Oh, movie. God. Oh, come no, on. I, I, That's harsh. I, you know, I, I, I just, I can't. You know, I will go back just so I can listen to Tom Arnold wisecrack some more. I think it's the one movie we reviewed on on this podcast that that left you traumatized damaged. me <laughs> after watching it to the point where I could because I watching it without a critical eye. Well, and I'm pretty sure that True Lies was your idea to review. It absolutely was. 
<laughs> up until that review, up until we did the review, it was one of my favorite James Cameron and movies overall. But after watching it with a critical eye, I'm oh. like, this is fucking garbage. <laughs> but, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about uh, oh, Ghosted. No. I'm so, sorry yes, I did that to you. <laughs> it's okay. So, yes, I think it's great. I think that anybody who watches it is going to enjoy it. Maybe they won't want to watch it again. It's also that kind of movie where it's like, I yeah. watched it. It was fun. And I'm moving on, but definitely worth at least one viewing. If you like the Chris Evans, if you like the Anadarmus, and you like the spy-y stuff, it's fun. I am going to slightly disagree with you. I think it's like an 80s movie with that's made in 2023. That's Absolutely. what I feel like. It's one of those 80s movies that are just kind of like silly, doesn't take itself seriously, doesn't pay too much attention to whether anything about it is realistic, doesn't worry about the mistakes or, or acting performances that may be slightly suspect. I'm really looking at the first 30 minutes of the film. The first 30 minutes of the film are really hard for me to get through. Because it's straight up rom-com and not a good one either. But you got to push past it. Now, I will say in its defense, you do have to push past it. Because once you get past that part and you get into the adventure, it's actually pretty fun if you just accept the fact. Now, thankfully, you really prepped me to watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think if you hadn't have said, well, it's just a silly, fun thing, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations. If I hadn't have heard all that from you, I would have been like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> because, and honestly, the first 30 minutes, I'm like, this fucking sucks. So, because <laughs> I mean, they're just, oh God, I don't know if it's the director or the cinematographer, but man, they just, they linger on <laughs> close-ups of Anna Diarmas and Chris Evans. Now, mind you, these are probably the two most desirable human beings on planet Earth. Right. And so if you're going to look at somebody for an extended period of time and not feel totally uncomfortable, it's those two people. But it's it didn't contribute to just because you linger on a look for longer doesn't mean that it suddenly makes that look more heavier or hold any more weight than if you cut just a little bit earlier and but, moved on. But it was shot exactly like a rom-com is shot. It is. It so is. So you have to give everybody their credit for doing their homework on I, you know, how to lose a guy in 10 days and all that kind of horse shit. Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're which right. Which is why it made you uncomfortably unhappy and me uncomfortably unhappy. Well, and that's... That but is I'm the, like, this is how you get your girlfriend to go see this movie. I oh, know it's a romantic comedy. Right. And well... By the time you're in there for 35 minutes, they aren't going to leave. So... Right. I think that, I think that if any two other people were cast in this movie to do the same thing, I would have been like, this is a total piece of horse shit. Although... And, and honestly, I will never... Ever watch this movie again until <laughs> until we have to review it until you force my hand and we do a full review of this movie i will never watch oh, this thing because it was it was fun but it was fun like a like a piece of candy you eat it and then you forget about it and sometimes you feel a little bad they ate it in the first no, place no like no, no. like it is fun in places almost like you said what, what was the word that you said not regrettably i don't know unadmittedly had a good time with it like yeah. I did have a good time with it once I got past the first 30 minutes. There are moments in it where it's just like, it's so dumb. I'm just like, okay, but that was fun. Here's the thing. (laughs) It's a little bit like romancing the stone, but less 
thought out, <laughs> less well done than Romancing the Stone. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of things going on with Romancing the Stone that weren't happening in this movie. Right. Kirk Douglas, or Michael Douglas, rather. Yeah. And Kathleen Turner, for one thing. Yeah. Um, who were completely outside of type when they did this movie. Yeah. Right, you know, we, we expect the Chris Evans and Ana de Armas to be more actiony people because that's what they've been. Right. Whereas, you know, Michael Douglas, the most actiony thing I think he did was straight to San Francisco. Right. Come on. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. While, we, while you were talking, I had this little epiphany um, <laughs> because of what I said earlier. This thing makes as much sense and cares as much about the real world as True Lies does. <laughs> yeah. And there's some plot points here that are very similar in that, you know, we've got a special agent who has a romantic interest who has no clue of what the special agent does. Right. They go on a ridiculously overcomplex mission to find a MacGuffin and prevent that MacGuffin from destroying the world. And so, and, and the the person who is clueless about the spy has to become kind of a spy, but not really a spy. Right. <laughs> or at least try and force it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I just I just realized. So now that I won't watch True Lies ever again, <laughs> you Ghosted will now take the place of when I need to watch a stupid, unrealistic uh, spy movie with you know reasonably pretty people in it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I just you know again once you get past the first thirty minutes and you get into the actual adventure of it and you it's it's easier to look past some of the silliness and stuff. Um, and again, the the thing that sort of keeps this thing from completely falling apart for me, why I did have a good time watching it in the end, was that it doesn't take itself seriously. If it did, yeah, we'd be we'd be in gray man territory exactly. or worse or worse. And since it's just completely, again, like an 80s movie, it's just kind of a fun thing that you watch and then you forget about it and then you move on with your life. It's never going to win any awards. In fact, it may win a Razzie. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, if the uh, current tomato meter continues where it's at, we may see it in the Razzie Awards next year. But, you know, if you're... Hey, this you is a, this falls into... I And I brought up this category in a previous episode. This falls into the category of something you can watch after you're like hungover. Let's say you mm -hmm. go out on a Friday night and you kind of get hammered and the next morning you don't really want to do anything. You just want something brainless on mm -hmm. on TV. This is a good one for that. If if this was, you know, 1992 and you didn't have all these streaming options and you were flipping through channels with a hangover and you get to TBS and this thing's yeah. halfway through, you're past the rom-com crap. Right. Uh, you're kind of like, eh. Give yeah. me my cereal and watch this. Oh, well, yeah. Fine. I mean, Anna Diarmas is not hard to look at. She definitely is not. And my but wife Chris my, Evan my, is my wife hard. my wife can attest that Chris Evans is not hard to look at either. He does have America's ass. <laughs> he has America's ass. So there you go. <laughs> so uh I don't know <laughs> what you can derive from all of that, but uh Watch the movie. It's enjoyable at least one time. That's right. Go watch the movie at least once. And hey, get back to us. Send us an email. Send us a message over Twitter. Let us know what you thought of it. We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. And hey, uh, if you're if you're digging our chili here, what we're doing here, our chili, our chili, digging our chili. Is that like a, one of the terms the kids use these days? <laughs> no, no. This is a really L literally old like a pot of chili with cheese and onions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you're digging our chili, that is the silly thing called the CIC. If you want to show off your love, we have a merch store. 
Did we you know do. That? We've got t-shirts, we've got mugs, we've got iPhone cases and other goodies. All you got to do is go to the link at the bottom of our show description and you can uh, you can check it all out. But uh, hey, if you don't want to spend any money, but you still want to show the love, there's a really easy way to do it. Do you know that? Yeah, I, I, in fact, I know exactly what that way is. What is it? Give us a glowing five-star review that, on the podcast uh, arm of your choice. That is right. Whether it's Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or... Actually, you know, I, I've noticed that uh, Google Podcast has been uh, rising in the ranks okay. as well. A lot of people are... So all your Googles. So all you Google Get folks, on the review. Get on the reviews, my guys. <laughs> or gals. Or gals. Or gals. Or gals. Or your pronoun as... Whichever pronoun you, you use. Go for it. <laughs> but uh, I think that's all we got for this uh, Intel report. Thankfully. <laughs> All right, well, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.